If you want to uh, deploy social learning in your organization, don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. Just get started right now. Create a channel for people to share what they learn or um, start capturing everybody's story about what they wish they learned or capture your executives' FAQs, you know, the things they get asked all the time. Start simple and then go from there. And as long as you're thinking about what your people genuinely need and how they genuinely like to experience uh, their work environment, you'll be off on the right track. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are and wherever you're watching from. My name is Matt Pierce, host of The Visual Lounge, where we talk about using images and video in the workplace. Today, we're gonna to be talking about a concept that we call social learning. If you, that's a term you haven't heard before, you're in luck, we're gonna talk about that. But if it is a term, we're gonna talk about how you can apply a video to that, and we've got a great guest to help me to do that. So let's go ahead and dive into introducing her. Nicole Papiano is a rebel, academic turned L&D strategist and founder of Your Instructional Designer. With a knack for social learning and digital strategy, Nicole ventured from teaching college writing to shaping personalized corporate learning experiences. From managing learning design to embracing entrepreneurship, she's partnered with Fortune 100 firms and solopreneurs across aviation, medical, fashion, and more. Nicole's ex expertise drives tangible outcomes like fewer incidents, boosted sales, and engaged employees, all grounded in her mission to create meaningful learning experiences for clients and their teams. With that said, please help me welcome Nicole to the Visual Lounge. Hey, Nicole. Hi, Matt. Thank you for the lovely introduction. I feel like uh, you really boosted my ego for the day. <laughs> you, well, you, you deserve it because it's, it's a fantastic uh, bio. And there's even stuff I left out just to keep it concise, uh, but really, really excited to have you here. So let's, let's go ahead and dive in because in your bio, it actually talks a little bit about your kind of kind of your path to working with instructional design. So let's start there. How did you get started and involved with instructional design? Sure. It was um, a bit of a backwards chain. I actually had never heard of instructional design before I started doing instructional design. Um, I was an adjunct professor. I taught writing courses at uh, three universities in the New York City metro area, and I was a writing center consultant. So I spent a lot of time teaching people how to write, designing faculty development, designing courses for my own students and giving feedback and all of that. And, um, you know, being an adjunct isn't exactly a lucrative career, and I was nearing the end of my 30s and looking for something that would be a little bit more uh, financially stable. And so I went out in pursuit of a new career, and I thought I'd end up in marketing or technical writing or something. And I saw this amazing post for an instructional designer, and they it was a Hollywood video production company that had essentially bought this sophisticated adaptive learning platform. And they had no L&D team, but they needed people to come in and help them create amazing experiences for their clients. So um, I applied for the job. It turned out to be a great fit. I moved from New Jersey to Hollywood and uh, started off my career as an ID. <laughs> wow. That, that, I mean, what, that's a, that's a big jump, right? Because I, although writing instructional design, there's a lot of overlap, but I mean, New York to Hollywood, that's a, that's a big jump. There's a lot there. That's cool. I love that. So, so you told me my clothes gave it away too. They're like, oh, we're waiting for you to become 
California because right now you're still a team New York. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I am to Michigan because that's, you know, I was wearing a sweatshirt <laughs> earlier and now a t-shirt and shorts. So it is what it is. We, we won't judge you for that. So I'm, <laughs> I'm curious, as you've gone through this transition, obviously learning to write is, is, is critical. Um, when we think, when I think of social learning, I'm not thinking, oh, writer is someone who's going to think a lot about social learning. So I'm curious because we're going to talk about it later, but what defines success for you when you think about social learning? What's the critical point there? There there are a few. Um, So first and foremost, you know, making learning that matters. That's my mission, my company's mission. And so we're looking for what is a meaningful expression of having learned something And uh, one is that you remember and can apply it in other contexts beyond the learning experience. So uh, social learning enables that because you're learning about something from multiple perspectives. You're discussing it, which is creating opportunities for mixed practice and spaced repetition. And um, so that's that's one thing, right? You're looking at the learning just as you would in any learning experience. Did people learn what they need to learn? Are they doing what they need to do with that learning? Um, but then there's other things, and I can't say that these are things I've, I've coined myself, you know, in, in our research on social learning, these are the, some of the things that have come up, but idea generation is a big one. So we believed intuitively that social learning would equal collaboration and collaboration equals innovation. But when we look at it, it's true. So how many ideas are coming to your organization as a result of bringing people together through learning? Um, another one you might look at is how many people feel they have someone at work, they they can go to. Um, one of the biggest indicators of, you know, whether people stick around or not is whether they feel like they belong and whether they feel like they have growth opportunities. So when you start to create bonds between employees or bonds between people in a cohort experience, whatever that is, then you, again, you start to see those outcomes that may not be one-to-one learning, but that are really important for an organization to thrive. Yeah. So I, well, I, I love that, right? Like you're thinking beyond kind of the input or the output, but you're thinking about those connections and networks. So uh, I, I, I like that. We're going to get, we'll get more into social learning in just a few minutes because somebody might be saying, but yeah, Matt, I still don't know what that is though. So we'll get there. <laughs> but before sure. we do that though, we always like to ask our guests early on, is there a tip that you could give us about using images or video in the workplace? Oh, sure. Um, video is so important and I'm obviously totally biased because my four, first foray into ID was working at a company where we had amazing video people. But um, video can be a social learning tool. You know, you can use it to capture or scale the one-to-one that you could have learning from another human being in ways that you can't do if someone's just talking to you over your shoulder. So, you know, whether it's live streaming video or pre-recorded video, you know, produced, um, user-generated content, all of that, those are really great tools for sharing internal knowledge, for uh, shadowing, right? You can take your senior engineer, that's always the example I give. You can take your senior engineer who might only be able to work with one level one engineer and suddenly they can explain their thought processes as they're working on a client project. And so you've just scaled shadowing um, for all of the level one engineers who will come in. And so my tip is maybe just start recording. (laughs) Think about what's important to your organization and get it on film. Well, we're big fans of getting started and just trying to, you know, make your first bad recording, right? And uh, get your engineers or whoever to do that. So I love that because I do think there is really an opportunity and I think it's more 
prevalent now than ever, given things that's happened in the world. It's been a few crazy years and video has kind of finally I think, come into its own where, you know, I, I talked to a lot of people prior to 2020 and everyone would be like, oh, let's not do video. Now it's kind of like, well, <laughs> standard workplaces that you're going to spend some time in a, in a Zoom meeting or something similar and you're going to be on camera and uh, hopefully we're getting over it. I think there's still a lot of tr- some trepidation, but makes it a little bit easier to cap maybe capture some of those things that you're talking about, whether it's an engineer or, you know, business partner or somebody who's doing uh, good work that can mentor the others. So I, so I love that. Yeah. And I'll just plug and I haven't been asked to do this, but like Camtasia has been one of my standard toolkit items for a very long time because of that. Um, if it's probably the first tool I paid for myself, you know, particularly oh, awesome. later. <laughs> well, thank you. And yeah, we don't, we never ask our guests to, to do that pitch, no, but we always love it when they do. <laughs> we love it. Well, thank you. And we hope that's what others see. And, uh, you know, we, we're, we're hopefully empowering some of this. So let's, let's take a step back though, because I, I do think, you know, we've talked a little already a little bit about social learning. We've talked a little bit about video, but I can imagine someone's listening to saying, uh, what really is social learning? Now we heard a little bit meant the word mentoring, so I can see some of that. Give us a scope and kind of a definition for you, Nicole. What what is social learning really look like? Um, and I, I imagine there's good social learning. There's stuff that's kind of bad, crappy, you know, not great. <laughs> but for you, like if you had to define it for a, a potential client, what would you what would you tell them? Yeah, social learning is not a new concept. I think it's maybe a new buzzword right now um, because we're fighting against all the isolation that happened during the pandemic. But it's not new. It just means people learning from people, whether that's through conversation or observation or intentional exchange of ideas. Um, and there are different ways to do it. For us, you know, where I work, we are all about digital social learning experiences, making it scalable. So we do a lot of digital cohorts, um, social learning networks, and we do, you know, micro learning that's intended to have calls to action so that people socialize and use the information. But really, anytime you're putting people together, you're creating an environment right for social learning. Um, and then you asked about bad social learning. Well, well, say, you don't, you don't have, we don't have to talk about bad. We can yeah. talk about <laughs> bad social learning, but, but so before you say, uh, you, we, we can talk about bad social learning, but let, before we do that, let's, um, so I would just want to emphasize that I, I, I think there's a part that I was, I don't know. I think about the tech first often because I work for a technology company, but I love yeah. what you said that it is about people learning from people. And that happens. I mean, that's I mean, would you say it's kind of a natural thing that we do, or do you think it has to be organized more than just kind of let it happen? So I'll give you two answers to that. One is it's absolutely natural. So in my research, you know, on social learning, um, I learned something kind of interesting, which was that your brain sort of has two modes of learning. And one is this independent learning where you go in the rabbit hole, maybe, and you're studying or you're doing things. Um, you're being very intentional and you're isolated in that learning. The other is social learning. And that's just, again, like I said, information exchange, whether it's observation, whatever that is, your brain is actually has a default setting for social learning. So it's very natural. We are always um, apt to learn from the people around us. But when we put it into a corporate context or a formal context, should I say, that's when I think you do start to see some of the good and the bad happen. That's where you can see technology enable it or um, hinder it. And so... That's probably the first part of that question. (laughs) 
Yeah. So, so let's talk about that, uh, the technology aspect of it and, and not just limited to video, but, uh, what are some examples that you see that like where this gets better and then we mm-hmm. can talk about what makes it like not work. So like, like what are those barriers? But first, what are the things that enable it? Yeah, things that enable it. So anytime you can bring people into learning and flow of work, I think that's a good thing. So that's why these communities of practice are very popular. Um, you know, just using internal collaboration tools like Slack or Teams or, you know, things that they don't have to go externally and you're removing those extra barriers to entry. And that can make it very easy to have social learning experiences. And you can throw things on Loom or you can have Zoom conferences, uh, anything that enables people to share ideas with other people. And that's kind of one subset. And then the more like asynchronous would be if you have internal wikis or knowledge bases that people can update, file sharing, things like that. Those all enable social learning experiences, I would say. Um, And the other place we like to steal from is social media. So if you have tools that sort of operate like a great social network that can make exchange of ideas and observations and all of those fun things that we do through social media into a great social learning experience. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll start there. (laughs) No, that's that's really good. So, so what, man, I've got so many thoughts about this. So like, oh, social used to be so good at this. And now I question whether it's really good about like public. So like Twitter used to be the playground of like ideas and now it's doesn't seem to be that way. But before, before I go, we go on a rant and then that tangent, uh, I'm curious, like we talked about the enablement, but I want to get to that second part too. Like, what are some things that you see that like maybe prevent good social learning, especially from a tech side? Because I, I know I use a lot mm-hmm. of technology. I am very quick to jump in, to be on social networks or to be on internal tools that connect and do that stuff. But, uh, I can't imagine it's all good. I mean, it's not all no. valuable. Uh, barriers to entry. Let's see. I think if you put a lot of system based barriers to entry, that's one way you slow the uptake. So if you want people to be chatting all the time and while they're doing work, asking each other questions, but then they have to go through like three systems, enter three different passwords, you know, it's a really bad uh, user interface or just overall user experience. They're not going to use the tool that's meant to connect them. They're just not yeah. like, <laughs> Um, I think the other piece is usually not embedded in the technology, but more about how the technology is used. So if people feel like the technology is surveillance for leadership or that they might get in trouble for saying things in a human way rather than like an on-brand way, then they're not going to use the tools. They're not going to socialize. Um, so those are just, you know, the two big ones. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I can see those and I see why that would probably be hindrance, right? Like you don't want people, big brothers watching me and I don't want to be watched. So I'm not going to share. So I'm, I'm curious, Nicole, from your experience, what are some of the, like, have you seen any really creative ways that social learning has been implemented and what, what might those look like? Yeah. So um, I'll give a shout out to someone who's not us first and then I'll read back. But I think David Linder over at Sublime Media is doing some really interesting things at Microsoft. Um, I got a chance to see his work at the social learning conference hosted by the Learning Guild last year or earlier this year. And um, it's a very organic cohort-based experience. So we're all about that. But I liked, you know, the small things he did, like um, he threw some funny anime cats on the backgrounds to get people to turn off their camera, turn on their cameras. I'm sorry, without saying turn on your camera, you know, you just, you picked your avatar, everybody knew what team you were on kind of deal. And so I think stuff like that works really well. 
Then, you know, from our side of the table, we're at your instructional designer. We love uh, social learning networks. We think they're really neat tools. So my team is using them personally. We've basically gamed uh, Workplace by Meta, which is essentially like Facebook for work without all the advertising tools or external advertising. Because you can actually create campaigns for your own company. And so we really like that. We have, you know, our own learning channels. We have structured know, guided learning pathways, and then people kind of chime in and out as they want. And we've seen that work really well for our clients too. We have a consulting firm that we work with, for example, that has um, multiple levels of consultants. So folks coming straight out of grad school and people who are now senior principal consultants, and they're using it in the same way. You know, they have these great learning pathways that are curated and they have these social channels and things are happening right in that kind of social learning space. And all of those conversations are obvious and evident. So you can see, you know, what the needs are and continue creating and evolving your L&D strategy. So, okay. So let's say, uh, and I'm not asking for free advice here. So, but I'm willing to give it though. (laughs) Well, but like, so let's say like, if I came to you and we, we are hiring you and we said, we want to employ a social strategy. We want to, we want to get engaged. We want our company and employees engaged, or maybe our, our customers, you know, I'm because I'm hearing a lot about different tools and there's kind of things that you can do. But I'm I'm curious, like if I'm a business leader and I'm getting maybe I'm going to pitch this to maybe my C-suite or maybe I'm on the C-suite and I'm saying I want to do this, but I got to prove this out. It feels like how do you how do you go about actually getting to an end result to say like, yes, this worked or no, this didn't work? Because I, I feel like from a, just a perspective, and we'll talk about video here in a second, what the role plays, but I'm, I'm really curious, like, I've got to be able to measure these things often. How, how do I know if social learning is actually done the job I've hired it to do? Great question. I, it's really important, right? Your learning should be impactful. So we are looking at four different things when we start doing our needs analysis, which is the organizational goals. So they are always central to what we're doing. Um, we're looking at the performance needs and the performance environment. We're looking at the learner's needs, wants, wishes, but really we're thinking about like, what are their motivators? What's their currency? What's their disconnectors? And then we're thinking about constraints because that's the obvious stuff. So when you start to put all of that together, what you're defining is what are the outcomes and then what are the things that are affecting how we deliver to meet those outcomes, right? And then you start to list them down. And then you say, this is our project success statement. These are the things we think this training needs to achieve. And this is what we hope will be the result of that. Do we have alignment from everybody sitting in this room that that's what we need? And if we can say yes, then that is great because if we've done our job, we've written it in very you know smart terms, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, timely, all of that stuff. We've written them in terms that we can go back to and look at at the end of training and perhaps beyond to say we've met them. Um, we also, we use LTAM, you know, Will Talmer's tool, learning transfer evaluation model. So we're actually coming up with that rubric of seven evaluation events and we're listing them out at the start of our training. So we have that as well. Okay. So, you know, I guess, and and, and this is just uh, an old guy who's been doing instructional design for a long time, thinking about like, huh, what you said surprised me and not, not because of what the tools or how you're evaluating, but... I guess someplace in my biases of what I think about social learning, I've been thinking about small one-to-one interactions, you know, like kind of like the engineering thing, like, oh, let's record the senior engineer. He's going to, we're going to give it to a junior engineer or three, five. 
Um, but what I heard you just say, which I think is is interesting to me, is that you said, let's develop a training program. We're going to develop a program, but we're going to, and I'm putting maybe words in your mouth, but we're going to embed this idea of social learning throughout it versus like, yeah. you know, like it's a peer to peer, like, and, and it might be both, right? Like I, I'm not naive enough to think it's not one or the other, but it's not like, oh, I do this thing and everyone knows I do this. I'm really good at this process. So Matt's just going to make a video or write up a little how to, <laughs> and then whoever wants to get it, but it's very formalized. It sounds like, like you're actually thinking through like at this point in the learning, here's the type of interactions we want to foster. Is that accurate? It is. Um, so there's two different things we kind of talk about, at least at our company, right? Again, social learning is a, is a big umbrella. Absolutely. Um, but we do. So I think in the two use cases we're talking about, there's digital cohorts, which to us is a very formalized learning experience, but we think about it as transformational journeys. So where do they start? Where do they end? What are the check-ins and checkpoints along the way? And then how does the conversation support and enable people to get from where they are to where they need to be? And so we are very intentional about how we've designed the purpose of those meetings, how we've designed the purpose of the entire experience and how we bring them together and support that. That is less organic than something like a social learning network, which is kind of all of those things, plus all that conversation. Um, and there is the mastermind model, which is a little bit more of what you're talking about, the really organic experience where people just meet around a topic and it's less of the embedded training perhaps. And that works really well for leaders and things of that nature. And then there is one-on-one -on -one exchange, but like as a company, because we're an agency, we're probably, we might encourage those one-on-one -on -one exchanges within our plan, but you know, that's kind of up to that one person and that other person to do the work. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's transition to talking a little bit about the role of video in this, because obviously as TechSmith, okay. we talk a lot about video. You're, it sounds like you're using video. So from a high level standpoint, um, obviously you've got, uh, sounds like a, a lot of tools come into play for, <laughs> for you. Why, why is video one of those, those kind of the media that you're going to apply in this process of getting organizations or individuals to use social learning? There's a whole bunch of reasons, Matt. Um, well, first and foremost, it is easy for us to capture video now. Just about everybody has some kind of smartphone that can capture video or a camera that can capture video. So if our clients can send us raw content, we can easily edit and create meaningful micro learning or um, you know, pieces of content that support the conversation. So video comes into play in that regard all the time. Video is also great because sometimes you need a visual, right? And mm -hmm. the only way to capture that is either to give people a presentation deck or something like that. So video, again, is really easy for us to create, to share, uh, distribute, goes on lots of channels. So it's wonderful to do that. Video can be very accessible. I mean, it can be inaccessible. You have to design it intentionally. But, you know, having a well-designed video that has captioning and things like that is often more accessible than some of the other tools we might find as visually appealing or as you know easy to embed in a whole bunch of spaces. And so that's another big factor into why we choose video. And then I think the last one is there's so many tools now that make it easy to collect and distribute and affordably collect and distribute. Not that there is not a place for very high production video, but mm -hmm. you know, everything from Camtasia to like Loom to Descript, Snagit and whole bunch of other tools in between. Um, it's just very easy to put together good 
quality video if you're intentional about the design. Again, so we just, it's, it's such an important tool. Like we couldn't capture and share the information we do without it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, and I totally agree with you. There's so many great tools out there. We're, we're partial to a few on this podcast, but you know, we'll keep that for another time. Um, I'm, I'm curious from a kind of, and I look, I know every video you probably work with is going to be slightly different in purpose in scope and, you know, inputs, things like that. But when you're thinking about these videos that you're going to, you know, you mentioned getting some footage from clients or just using your smartphone or just capturing with your, your screen for you, is there like structural things that you think about that need to be part of that video to make it effective for social learning? Uh, and I'm not talking about like, oh, you need to edit it. It's got to be always be edited. Or it, but like, like what makes a social video effective at being a social video versus just, oh, it's a video. It's a learning video. Um, are there elements or pieces that you say like, yeah, we typically do X, Y, or Z or include these types of things, not knowing what those might be? Yeah, yeah. One, um, I think authenticity is really important. You know, we are living in this age of AI, and I say this all the time, even though you can make AI video, and we do it, you know, we use those tools too, but there's something that like, they can't capture me doing this crazy stuff with my hands, right? So you start to feel a sense of authenticity that maybe you don't believe with other kinds of deep fakes or with, you know, written content is very easy now with ChatGPT to just drop some stuff. So I think there's still a sense of like a real human that comes across when we're capturing um, talking head video. So there's that. I think it's a great tool for capturing stories, whether you see the person on screen or you've illustrated their story, that is a wonderful way to use it. Asking about FAQs and using video to help distributed teams feel like, again, this is talking head, I guess, but connected to one another, right? It could be small things like having everybody capture their best tip for a new hire or talking about why they joined the company or um, giving the thing they wish they knew on day one. There are so many ways to use video. I mean, I, I feel like I keep blending on some of the same ones, but those are the things we're thinking about. And um, the other piece that we're thinking about is really how do we distill things so that they're short? Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying everything has to be TikTok short, but there are very few three hour long training videos, even done with social learning that work well. <laughs> so thinking about, you know, what is central and what are people trying to watch? And then the last thing I would say is, um, and it just escaped my brain for the third time. So maybe I'll think about that. In a bit. <laughs> yeah. No, no worries. No worries. Well, you're right. Uh, to your point about the three, hour, like think about the last three hour piece of media you've, you've looked at. And I mean, it has to be really good, right? We're talking like Hollywood story driven, you know, and even then how many of those you feel like, when is this going to end kind of thing? Right. Yeah. So, uh, and I do love the authenticity, right? There is something about this, hum the, the, the human nature that we're not replicating anytime soon. My guess is I can't predict the future, but with AI or even just when we're, we're writing in such a way. And I mean, writing for scripts or whatever that just comes across dry. Like I think people want to connect with who you are, who your person on camera is. They don't, you know, they, or they might just know, like we know Nicole is an expert at social learning. So I hear her voice. I see her face. I know oh yeah, I can trust Nicole about social learning or whatever it might be. So, <laughs> so I think there's something really powerful about that, that you just said. Yeah. I did think of the last one, which was like just the simple framework, right? You want that book, 
you want to make your point and we like to use schemas. So maybe it's alphabetical order. Maybe it's big idea to small idea. Maybe it's some kind of mental model. And then like your call to action. I think that's the one that gets missed all the time. So are you inviting people to respond socially? Are you asking them to try something? Um, that can really help to create those conversations that you want to happen beyond the video piece. Awesome. So we're going to get close here to, to jumping into our speed round, but I, I want to ask, so we've talked about a lot of different things with video and social learning and social learning kind of in general. What have we missed talking about today that, that is probably essential for this conversation for someone maybe who's new to the topic or just starting to explore this topic or, or has heard of it, but maybe they're not doing it. Who knows? Maybe they're experts that just want another kind of piece of advice. What would you say that, what have we missed today so far? Uh, I don't know that we missed anything too big, but I would definitely add that if you have somebody who you feel like is doing a really effective job of creating a community, and so that might be your favorite brand or your favorite social media influencer or something else, maybe it's a physical community, that's a great model for social learning. We may not want to employ exactly what they're doing in our space, but what can you steal from them? Um, is there a way that they're positioning their brand? Is there a way that they've made their voice? Is there a way they're curating resources? Is there a way that they're using the tools that is working really well for people in the group? Is there a way they're asking for feedback? You know, those are all questions you can ask. So I'd encourage you to do that homework and think about who your favorite community builder or brand builder is. Yeah. Well, you know, we are, we are fans of that principle. I, I, man, I've, I've been quoting this for, uh, from Steve Jobs for a long time. And I think actually he took it from Picasso, the artist, <laughs> uh, was that, you know, uh, good artists copy, great artists steal. And, you yes. know, like, I mean, to the, to the point though, we are, we are not into theft of intellectual property, but there's so many good ideas out there that people are talking about that I think we can borrow from that are so important because, there's so much going on. So I, I love that idea. Like, and it's about getting started, I, I think as well, right? Borrow, learn from, start, do, try it. Cause that's how you'll yeah. see if it works. So. Well, and if you do it, I'm going to give you your social call to action, which is share it with Matt and let him know which one you picked and why. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Leave it in the comments below or wherever you are. So we can on Twitter or LinkedIn, wherever, cause we'd love to hear. What did you borrow? All right, Nicole, we're going to jump into our speed round. For those who are uninitiated to the speed round, these are meant to be uh, quick answers to questions that we determine by the roll of a die. So let's go ahead and dive in. Okay, so let's go ahead over to our, our dice cam. We got the dice tower up. We're going to remove that number two there. We're going to roll the die. Uh, 12 questions. We don't know which one it's going to be. So here we go. <laughs> Oh, it is a, a 12, which is, you know, Nicole, I'll tell you, it is not often rolled. 12 has been asked <laughs> two, maybe three times. So, okay. Uh, so this question is, what's the one tool that you, is your go-to that helps you get your job done on a regular basis? This could be software, could be physical gear, could be anything. So any one tool that you go to, to get your job done. Oh man, this is going to sound like a cough out, but, um, Microsoft Word. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Well, okay, wh I why? I mean, literally, if I had nothing at my disposal, I could build full experiences with Microsoft Word. I, I'm a writer by nature, obviously, so I'm constantly just dumping information into Word documents and using the style tools, to, you know, and links and things like that to help me sort through information. And then that's the basis for almost everything we do, right? We write the storyboard. We write the script. We write the uh, curriculum map or whatever it all starts with words so 
I probably couldn't do my job without it. (laughs) So no, no, I I think that is an admirable answer because it's honest. And I think so often we are so down on things like that, right? Like, but you're right. It is essential. It becomes a critical piece. And I, I love that. Now I do have to ask though, can you get word to format your bullets and your images without major issues? Have you figured that out? And can you teach me? I can teach you. I okay. think I have. Um, I feel like every time I'm in there, it's like trying to auto adjust something. And I'm like, oh gosh, please stop. <laughs> yeah. I get way too into setting the style templates. <laughs> okay. And I think that helps, but I won't say it's perfect. Every once in a while you do get a glitch in the system. And uh, yeah. That's good. But I, but I love, the, <laughs> I love the answer. So, all right, let's go on to our next question. Here we go. Diet is rolling. Oh, we're we're having on other end of the spectrum. So yeah. let's pull up that number one. And this question is, where do you turn for inspiration? So when you're feeling maybe drained or you're looking for new ideas, like where do you go to, to get inspired? Uh, user experience designers. So they just do so between like the research side of the thing and like how they embrace behavioral science and all that, or just like how they're actually designing user interfaces and things to meet up with the experience that they understand they need to create. There's a lot of really cool stuff there. Yeah. The UX, uh, I'll tell you, UX people at TechSmith are, are brilliant and they do awesome work. So I love that. Good answer. All right. Well, let's go to one more here. We'll get rid of that. number one, last one. Let's see what it's going to be. And that is, you can tell it's a nine because the line is. Oh, okay. Under- I thought it was a six for a minute and I was like, what are the odds? Okay, we're nine. <laughs> it's nine. It would have been, that would have been pretty impressive though. That would have been pretty cool. <laughs> um, although I think I kind of asked this question already. So I, I've kind of, I, you know, it was a fear I had when I, I asked you, is there anything we missed? But uh, I'll ask anyway, because the dice have spoken. Is there a question <laughs> you wish I would have asked you? And it doesn't have to be about social learning. It could be about Anything, any question you wish I would have asked you? These are I the hard questions. I think of one. Yeah, I feel, like I, should, I feel like I just missed up on my job interview. Um, <laughs> you know, I can't think of one. I'm you, sure there's you, 20, but. You, you asked, I asked you that uh, kind of that question and you answered it pretty well uh, in terms of already. So we'll give you a, a pass on this one because I think it's, <laughs> in this case, it's my fault. I shouldn't have asked the last question. I knew this was a possibility and I thought, one in 12 shot, right? No big deal. <laughs> you did not fail the job interview. Uh, Nicole, this is this has been uh, just awesome talking to you about social learning, talking about video, and so appreciative for you coming on. Uh, if people wanted to connect with you or they wanted to learn more, wh- where should they go? Sure. Um, so I'm the founder of Your Instructional Designer, and basically I live on all of our social channels. So, uh, you know, yourinstructionaldesigner.com, LinkedIn slash your instructional designer, Instagram slash your instructional designer. Um, that's where you'll find me hanging out most days. Or if you just look for me personally on LinkedIn, um, it's a little harder if you can spell my last name. <laughs> it would be slash Nicole Papiano, PhD. Right, right there. All right. So definitely everybody go check out Nicole's stuff. Go look, go find her, connect with her. Uh, go check out their company's website. You've got some great blog articles out there. I was, I was looking at about Thank social you. learning. So um, don't think this is the end end stop if you're hearing us here. Uh, before we wrap up, though, Nicole, we always like to ask people for our final take, which, you know, just a quick summary of the things that we've talked about today uh, or one leaving kind of your parting thoughts for us. So, Nicole, what are your what is your final take? Okay, so 
So my final take is if you want to uh, deploy social learning in your organization, don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. Just get started right now. Create a channel for people to share what they learned or um, start capturing everybody's story about what they wish they knew on the first day or capture your executives FAQs, you know, the things they get asked all the time. Start simple and then go from there. And as long as you're thinking about what your people genuinely need and how they genuinely like to experience uh, their work environment, you'll be off on the right track. Awesome. Well, Nicole, thank you once again for being with me in the visual lounge. It's my pleasure, Matt. This is really fun. You are a great host. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, go check out Nicole's stuff. Really great stuff. I love this idea of social learning. I love the idea of the FAQs of leaders, of managers, of employees. What are they asked? Start building courses, curriculum around that, along with the other things that will help connect these things. So really a lot of Im impact there. And as Nicole said, it's easy to get started. Lots of tools out there. You know, can't go without mentioning Camtasia. It's a great way. Or Snagit. Check out the video capability in Snagit. Connected to screencast.com. You can leave comments. You can uh, annotate. You could do all sorts of things in there that makes it just easy to for those asynchronous type connections and communication. So, but what she said, and we love this at the Visual Lounge, go ahead and get started. Make your terrible first social connection content piece today and then get better. Just increment it, get a little bit better every single day. So thanks for watching. We'll see you guys next time.